Thank you, Trevor. I am glad that God knew Michelle Tolentino's name. See, Michelle is a little girl who grew up in extreme poverty and chaos in the Philippines. But when she was six years old, she went to a local church and enrolled in a child development program that was sponsored by Compassion International. And that started the journey that changed the course of her life. You see, Michelle then went on and completed a communication of arts degree from the University of Santo Tomas, again through the opportunity that Compassion provided through their leadership development program. Michelle is currently enrolled at Moody Bible Institute doing her master's level studies. Do you remember where Michelle came from? Poverty, chaos, in the Philippines. Michelle today is fulfilling her God-given ability and her dream to tell the world that Jesus loves little children just like her. And her life is a testimony of the transforming power of God and also hope for all the children who still live in poverty. And you are so privileged today because Michelle Tolentino is with us today. And she is going to share her testimony. And I heard her in the first service. And what a blessing. But I pray not only a blessing, but may God challenge your hearts to ask, Lord, how do you want me to respond? Michelle, will you come and share your story? Thanks for being with us. Bless you. Magandang umaga sa inyong lahat. That's good morning in my native language, Filipino. Our God is a great God. And I am here this morning because of His great love for me. I remember September of 2007, my pastor back in the Philippines say these words to me. Michelle, do not stop seeing the big things that God wants for your life, for your family, for your church, and for your country. Because it's not about you. And as I ponder on those words, I start looking back on how God changed my world upside down. How he turned all my dreams into reality. And how he showed himself to me as my loving Heavenly Father. I was born in one of the most congested and in the most crowded places in the heart of Manila. I grew up in a place called Baltao Santa Mesa. And the place that I grew up in was considered as one of the most dangerous places in the Philippines. Growing in poverty for me means that both of my parents were jobless. And since my parents cannot afford to have our own house, we were forced to live with 17 of our other relatives in a very small shanty. And I can remember that on dinner time, my mom would cook one egg, and that's for everyone in the family already. And that is so huge for us because they cannot provide for our food, but if we have one egg on our table, that would be a feast for us. 
And every day outside of our community, it would be normal for me to see a lot of my neighbors fighting in the streets. You will see men drinking alcohol all day. You will see women gambling. Some of them are selling their bodies into prostitution. They were oblivious of their little naked children running around the streets, playing in the dirty garbages. And that was the picture of physical poverty and hopelessness as seen through my eyes when I was growing up. And with these things all around me, I knew that my future is uncertain, living in a desperate community such as that. And the enemy of my soul didn't stop there. I remember waking up one morning with a lot of yelling and fighting inside of the house that we live in. I heard my relatives cursing my father to death as they accused him of stealing. They said that my father was a drug addict. He was a drug abuser. And from then on, my father left me. My father left us. He abandoned us, and I became fatherless. There was deep pain that was in my heart towards my father. I grew up full of fear, full of insecurity, full of self-pity. And my self-image and my self-worth was attacked by the words that my relatives, who hated my father so much, would tell me, Michelle, you are so ugly. You look exactly like your father. You will become nothing but a thief and a drug addict when you grow up. And those were the words that I heard from people whom I expected to love and take care of me. And that made me feel so shameful of who I am. I felt that I am worthless. I felt that I am nothing. And I felt that I have no future. I grew up believing that I am a big disappointment. And that is the lie that the enemy that has spoken into my heart because the message of poverty is that you don't have the right to dream because you are just a piece of dirt. You are just a piece of garbage. You don't matter. That is the message of poverty. But I saw a glimmer of hope when one Sunday morning, my Aunt Carol, she's the only Christian person that I know during that time, brought me to Calvary Foursquare Church Compassion Project. And stepping into that program, I knew that my life will never be the same again. Because the first thing that I've learned there is that Jesus Christ loves me. It is a very simple, but it's a life-changing thought that has changed my destiny. I also learned how to pray and read my Bible. My very first Bible was given to me at the Compassion Project. It was very precious to me because I heard God directly telling me through the scriptures that he is my father, that I am his precious child. He knows my name and he loves me so much. And that he is the father to the fatherless children like me. In Psalms 18 verse 19, he said, he rescued me because he delighted in me. But the best experience that I had growing up as a compassion sponsor child was when I came to know my loving sponsors. 
Their name are Tom and Esther Brazil. And I always get excited whenever I receive letters and pictures coming from them. I remember in the winter of 1995, my compassion sponsor sent me this beautiful picture that they are sitting in the snow. And in the Philippines, we don't have snow there. So I was really proud that my family, who are on this side of the world, will just love me so much that they love me, sending me, you know, their love was shown through that picture that they sent me that they were sitting in the snow. And I used to tell my friend, I have this family who lives in North America who loves me so much. They were very rich because I thought that, that when, when we were in the Philippines growing up in poverty, we thought that people who lives on this side of the world who is experiencing snow were very rich. <laughs> so that's what I thought. And I told a lot of my friends about that. But then, along with the picture, are the words that I can never forget. Our dear Michelle, you are a beautiful little girl. We are so proud of you. You are precious to us. We love you. And we are praying for you. And the words touched the very depth of my heart and soul. God used them in healing and in building up the broken self-image and the broken self-worth that I have. Now I am truly convinced that the key to real transformation is through deep and meaningful relationships. The power of their relationship with me made me feel that I am loved, I am important, and that I am valued and that I have a bright future that that is ahead of me in the hands of my loving Heavenly Father, which was reminded by me by his words in Jeremiah 29, 11, when he said, For I know the plans that I have for you, Michelle, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and plans to give you hope in a future, in rebuilding my self-esteem. The Compassion Program excel allowed me to excel in my academic standing in school as I was a consistent honor student from elementary, high school, and college. And I graduated salutatorian of my class. And the church, along with the Compassion Project, developed my God-given gifts in the performing arts and truly equipped me as a leader. In 1998, graduating in high school with honors, I was chosen by the Philippine ambassador as one of the most outstanding high school graduates all over the Philippines. And that is God's grace. But still trying to strive for a living, my mother told me one day that she cannot send me to the university because we were very poor and we don't have enough money to do that. But God, in his abundance, came through again through the wonderful, wonderful program of leadership development program of compassion. My pastor and my project director recommended me to become one of those students that will be part of that program. And the LDP has given me the picture and the vision of the person that I want to become for Christ. All the leadership trainings that we've learned there transformed us trained us and helped us know that we have to become responsible Christian adults who will be strong servant leaders in our country. 
I was able to pursue my degree in communication arts in one of the best universities in the Philippines and trained well by this program. I was chosen by my university to represent the Philippines at the ASEAN Arts Festival at the National University of Singapore. And I can remember during those times when I was performing there, I saw God has given me this vision that someday I will be standing here and tell people about the God who has loved me so much with his everlasting love. Who would have thought that a poor, a hopeless, an abandoned little girl like me would be standing in front of you here, in front of thousands of people around the world who will stand in behalf of my brothers and sisters who are dying in poverty, who are dying in hunger, who are sold into child labor, who are sold into prostitution and carry God's message of love and compassion. I am finally living in the dream that God has dreamt for me, the first time that I step into that compassion project, and the very first time that my compassion sponsor picked up my child pocket and told themselves that this child can make it. They allowed me to walk in my dreams as for six years, I am now the sales and marketing director of the first ever gospel theater in Asia, which is named Trumpets. And Trumpets stands for Triumphant People Evangelistic Theater Society. It is a ministry that is focused on Jesus Christ, and we spread the gospel using the professional performing arts as our instrument. And our vision is to redeem the performing arts for God. And because of the great love that my compassion sponsor has poured out into my life, I am now standing here, a proud sponsor, a proud compassion sponsor myself, sponsoring two children. One is Andrew, who is from the Philippines, and Samira, who is from Burkina Faso in West Africa. And my greatest dream for both of them, for both Andrew and Samira, is that they will know in their heart that Jesus Christ loves them, and that Andrew and Samira will become the man and woman that God will call them to be. And as I invest in the life of Andrew and Samira, I ask the Lord if he can possibly restore my relationship with my father. I came to forgive my father and honor him in spite of the past hurts because I want to reflect the love of Jesus to my papa because I want him to experience the great relationship that I have with my Lord Jesus Christ. My father is living with us again now. Nothing is impossible with God. My family is restored. All these things were made possible because of God's great love in my life. And all of these things that God has done in me through the ministry of compassion has made me realize that God is not disappointed in me, that he thinks that I am really beautiful before him, and that he loves me so much, which made me realize that our calling is to walk in our glory, to let other people simply feel the weight of our lives so that we can make a difference for Christ. Sometimes we thought that our glory is very small, like me 
living in poverty all of my life, I thought that I will never make a difference. But God transformed the most painful things in my life for his glory because he wants all the glory and that we are his instruments of doing that. God has allowed me to see and hug and to thank my compassion sponsor for the very first time after 15 long years. In November 25 of 2007, at the Glad Tidings Church in Pennsylvania, God let me experience to thank, to hug, and to express my gratitude to the people who kept me standing for all those years. And I can remember after I shared my story in that church, the pastor said, we have a surprise for you, Michelle. So I thought that since it's the week of my birthday, they're going to recognize my birthday. But it's more than that. It's the greatest surprise of my life because the pastor said, Michelle, you are very blessed today because your compassion sponsors are here. And literally the world stopped. And I saw a couple walking in the aisle, but I was surprised with what I saw. My mom, Esther, the woman who sponsored me for 15 long years, was disabled. She said that she was suffering from juvenile rheumatoid arthritis all her life, which is a very painful disease. But her disability didn't stop her from loving me and allowing me to live well. I will be forever grateful to Compassion for transforming me to become a fulfilled, responsible, and Christian adult. Now that God has given me the opportunity to pursue my master's degree at the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, my greatest prayer is that next year, when I finish from my program, I will go back to my country and help the people there who are dying and who are suffering from the oppression of the enemy. I felt that the greatest poverty that we have in this world is the spiritual poverty that all in the world is experiencing. The lack of the knowledge of Jesus Christ is the greatest poverty. And I said, Lord, you can use me in releasing children from poverty in your name in my country. Compassion has not just released me from poverty, but it has taught me to dream big, to make a difference, to never lose heart for my country, and never ever forget where I came from. In June of 2006, all the compassion-assisted children who grew up in the program of compassion formed the first ever alumni association. And all of us who were formerly sponsored children, were standing up for the cause of all of our brothers and sisters there who are still in poverty because we are committed to pass on. And we remember the president of Compassion, Wes Stafford, going there and saying, never be ashamed of your roots in poverty. You always hold your head up high. You may be born in poverty, but poverty is not born in you. And that has been so true in all of our lives there. I was released from poverty in Jesus' name. We have a city to touch, 
a nation to reach, and a world to change. All of us making a difference, one child at a time. Thank you so much, and good morning. Thank you, Michelle, for sharing your story. And for those of you who are visiting, I am not Barry Sloan White, the president of Compassion Canada. Uh, God had other plans for Barry this morning, and uh, he had to go out to Halifax to be with his mom, who is not well. And uh, God also has a sense of humor, because when I surrendered to the ministry, I said, Lord, if you give me an opportunity to talk, I will talk. <laughs> Thursday night, we're heading out for a day and a half of vacation. I hear the phone ringing. We just let it ring because we've got to pack. We've got to go. Rings again. I said to Jen, maybe we should answer it. So we answered it, and it was Steve. And he said, uh, Barry's had to go out east. Would you be willing to just extend your little wrap-up and just give us some biblical principles for caring for the needy and, and the poor? <laughs> and I said, sure. And then I looked at God and said, you got me. And, uh, and, uh, but I'm thrilled this morning. And I... And I I didn't bring one up with me, but if you go to my desk, you will see yellow stickies all over my desk, and uh, I know I need to catch up with technology, but this is the way I operate right now, and uh, we all have agenda. We all know what we're supposed to be doing, and my wife kindly keeps reminding me on the calendar, here's what's going on, but the reality is those yellow stickies always bring me back to what is it I'm supposed to be paying attention to. And I think this morning in the next 10 to 12 minutes, God is putting a big yellow sticky up in front of us saying, hey, let's not get so busy doing what we're doing that we forget what's on his agenda. And so I'm going to ask you to do something that you'll probably never hear from this pulpit ever. And I'm going to ask you not to open your Bibles today. I don't have any pamphlets for you to do notes with. But I believe God wants you to just listen and to hear what his word has to say and then to challenge us, how are we going to respond? Most of you, if you've been around the church, are familiar with our five essentials. If you're new to us, basically these are the core values that we see as important from God's perspective on who we should be. And I don't know if many of you realize it, but originally the witness component used to say we see it as our responsibility to point people to Christ. That has been changed, and I think it's been rightly changed. And now the witness component of our five essentials says we are to show people who Christ is. There's such a difference if you think about it. It's about showing people who Christ is. In Galatians 2 verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, I no longer live but Christ lives in me. Michelle's testimony this morning is a beautiful picture of God's grace, but it's also a beautiful picture of a couple who understood God's grace in their lives and responded. When people look at us, as Pastor Duane was praying, they should see Christ in our lives. We should reflect the mind and heart of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says, Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. 
So what does this look like? Live in your life with your mind set on what the Spirit desires, especially as it relates to the poor, the vulnerable, the children. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34 says this, All the nations will be gathered before him. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And this is such an amazing point, their response. And I remember Pastor Rick speaking on this and and underlining it in my Bible. It says, Then the righteous, those who have experienced God's grace in their lives, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? These people did not even realize it was just such a natural part of who they were as the righteous that they met the needs of those around them. Oh, that God would help us to be those type of people where it's just we're being led and compelled by the Spirit to respond. Listen to what the end says. The king replies, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. As I went up to the farm on Thursday night and I began to ask God to direct my thoughts, and as I began to read through Scripture, I wanted to understand what is Christ's heart, and I realized the following. And these are nothing that you do not know already. These are truths that all of you are very familiar with, but maybe this morning God is wanting to put them back on your desk as remembering what's important in his agenda first of all jesus loves children we catch a glimpse of this in mark chapter 10 remember when the people were bringing their children to christ to bless them and the disciples rebuked them and said no 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 he's busy he has other things he needs to do listen to christ's response when jesus saw this he was indignant so he wasn't just a little upset it says he was indignant And do not hinder the children from coming to me, he said. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then what did he do? He took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. In another instance in the chapter before that, we see Jesus interacting with the disciples. And here they are arguing and trying to figure out who is the greatest. Look how Christ answered who is the greatest. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. And then what did he do? He took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who has sent me. Jesus loves children. He took time out of his ministry with adults to compassionately meet the needs of children. You can read about it in Luke chapter 8 and chapter 9. Among those in God's word who are called weak, poor, oppressed, children seem to be in the central. Psalm 68 says he's the father to the fatherless. Psalms 1 and 46 says he sustains the fatherless. So he loves children. He is also compassionate. Psalms 148, 45 verse 8 says the Lord is gracious and compassionate. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And that is something we need to remind ourselves this morning. Proverbs 22.2 says, Rich and poor have this in common. 
The Lord is the maker of them all. God is the creator of them all. And there's a warning that goes along with that in Proverbs 14. He says, He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, their creator. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. You might be here this morning and say, Well, I don't really oppress the poor. I'm a pretty nice person. I haven't done anything that I think is oppressive to them. Having lived overseas in Africa all my life, sometimes I think not doing anything is oppression. So you ask, well, how do I become a compassionate person? I think you heard it well in Michelle's testimony this morning. You become a compassionate person when you yourself experience his compassion towards you. Listen to Psalms 103, verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. God first loved us. We know that from Romans 5.8. It says, God, and yet while we were sinners, God showed his love for us in this, that Christ died for us. Our response, Michelle's response and those other alumni students, their response to the love that they have experienced from Christ is to act with love. Remember Christ's answer to the question of all the commandments, what is the most important? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, and soul. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. I found it interesting when I was going through scriptures in Colossians under the section of rules for holy living, this is what it says. God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, and humility. In 1 Peter, the same theme is, is repeated. Be compassionate and humble. When you've experienced God's grace and his compassion in your life personally, you will be a compassionate person. And it's not in a proud sense, but it's in a humble sense, realizing that, but for God's grace, where would I be? When I met Michelle in the boardroom this morning, that's what amazed me. I hadn't even known her for a little bit, and I thought, wow, what a humble person. But that's because she understands her position in Christ. What are some of the key things that should identify us as compassionate people? Deuteronomy 15.7 says, Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Rather, be open-handed. In fact, in verse 10 of chapter 15 in Deuteronomy, it says, We are commanded to be open-handed. Give generously without a grudging heart. And ladies, I found it interesting in Proverbs 31.20, when referring to a wife of noble character, the Bible said it is written that she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. He loves children, he is compassionate, and he is just. Psalms 89.14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundations of, this, of his throne. Psalms 33.5 says, The Lord loves righteousness and justice. Throughout history, God has defended the oppressed and has looked after the vulnerable. In Deuteronomy 10.18, in the New American Standard, it says, He executes justice to orphans and widows. Psalms 146 says he upholds the cause of the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. As I read through these scriptures on the weekend, I realized there's a clear message to us that we have a responsibility as the righteous, as Christ followers, to speak and act on behalf of the vulnerable. Proverbs 29.7 says the righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. They don't have such concern because they've never experienced Christ's compassion in their lives. We have, and the Bible says that we should care 
about justice for the poor. Interesting question in Micah chapter 6 in the Old Testament. What does the Lord require? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. There's an excellent book um, that I can get you in touch with if you want. It's called Understanding God's Heart for Children. And there's a great quote in there that says this, when we act in response to Christ's love towards others, it breeds justice. When we act in love, in response to Christ's love to us, to others, it breeds justice. And to close off, what does God see when we love children, when we act compassionately, and when we defend the vulnerable, not on our own strength, but remember it's Christ living in us, he notices and he rewards. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. The New American Standard says, Your prayers and your gifts towards the poor are not unnoticed by God. It honors him. It pleases him. It's an act of worship. Do you think it's worth investing in little children from extreme poverty and chaotic neighborhoods? Listen to Psalms 112. Blessed is the person who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. Love God, love people. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. Listen, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man or woman. Good will come to them who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely they will never be shaken. A righteous person will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their heart is secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. Listen up. They scattered abroad their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. Deuteronomy 15.10, Give generously and out of, not out of a grudging heart. Then, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work in everything you put your hand to. At the end of this book, there is a mandate. One of the authors wrote, and I think it's a great way to conclude our service this morning. The mandate is clear. Children from every people group on earth must be found and loved with the love of Jesus Christ. Then the gospel message will be spoken throughout our actions, our lives, and words. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Wow. That's a powerful thought. Making his appeal through us. I had the privilege early on in the year to be part of one of the team that went to Peru. And I would encourage you to come back tonight. You will really enjoy seeing what God did through you in Peru. And Pastor Rick asked me on that trip, will you do something specifically? I want you to go spend two days with compassion. And I want you to see the work that God has them doing, and then I want you to come back and tell our people what you saw. 
And I want to tell you that those two days with compassion were a highlight for my trip down to Peru. And I can tell you, as I read in the beginning, without a shadow of a doubt, I will give you a report that I believe compassion and what I witnessed live in accordance with the Spirit and they have the, their minds set on what the Spirit desires. I was so impressed to run into other people like Michelle who had similar stories sponsored by a Canadian when they were five come full circle and are now serving as a director for a program within a church. I couldn't believe the love that these volunteers oozed on these kids, not even their own kids, at five in the afternoon, 500 kids here in Calvary, all spread out in different rooms, singing choruses with them, making sure they're fed, reading the Bible to them. I could not believe the quality of the Christ followers that I witnessed working with Compassion Canada in Peru. I had the privilege of meeting Anais. Anais is the little girl that God brought into our family's life when we kicked off our partnership here at the church with Compassion. And I can't tell you what a blessing it was to meet her and her family. I was amazed at how happy and excited they were to meet us. It was overwhelming. I could not believe it. And it was interesting because when we decided as a church to partner with Compassion and specifically try and target the area of Lima, Peru, we already had a child in Africa. And I said, we can't, we can't afford another one. But I'm thankful for a wife of noble character who said, no, 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 we, we can't not afford to. And so we took Anais on, and I tell you what, it was such a pleasure to go and see how what we see as such a small amount of money is used so amazingly to bless her. One thing I came back with, and I said to my wife, I said, really, compassion should send a picture of the kid, but then send the family behind the kid. Like, that's what blew me away. See, her mom... Uh, Anais's mom works from 10 in the morning till about 10 at night at a little kiosk. Her dad is up before she goes to school, and I asked her mom, when does he come home? And she said, whenever there's no more customers. I said, what does he do? He's a taxi driver. And if you go down to Lima, it never shuts down. So you know that he's not home very often. And, I th- and then to see the mom look at me and go, we never dream we'll meet the sponsors of our child. But she said, thank you so much. And I thought, wow, that money that is God, God has resourced us that we're we're sending on there is not just blessing Anais, it's blessing her family so that they can go out and work and she can be safe at a local church in a program, learning skills, learning about God and being fed. And so I report to you as one of, our, one of your family members here, you can absolutely trust that compassion has their mindset on what the Spirit desires. With integrity, with compassion, with justice, they love children but ultimately the reason is because they themselves have all been impacted by the compassion that Christ had on them as individuals. I would encourage you after the service to go out back. There's a table there with kids from Peru. We as a church thought it would be great if we could orchestrate to try and impact one area where then we can go back as a church and have follow-up mission trips and support them and, and really impact an area. Andy has brought different kids out there. I do not know if Anais will be the next Michelle, but you know what? The main thing I need to be more concerned about is, am I being faithful with, God, with what God has resourced my family with? And am I being faithful to represent him well, living in me? May God speak to your hearts. May God challenge you. And may you be faithful to obey so that one day you too may have someone come and say, thank you so much. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us this morning. What a privilege it was to see and to hear Michelle's testimony. We don't often get those opportunities, Lord. 
and we don't want to take it lightly. We thank you for orchestrating this morning. And Lord, I just pray that you will impact our hearts to realize that we need to be open-handed and that we need to make sure that our hearts and our minds are in beat and in line with what your heart and your mind is. And from reading your scripture this morning, Lord, we realize that you love children, you're compassionate, you are just. And God, I just pray that you would live in us in such a way that we would be obedient Christ followers. Help us to know what you would want us to do. Even with these children in the lobby, Lord, direct us, and may we be faithful and obey. And we will make sure and give you all the glory and all the credit. For it's in your name we pray all these things. And Christ's people said, amen. God bless you.